Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Well, I'm going to dive into my message. And uh, I've been on a series for a while. It kind of just works out pretty cool that today's Father's Day. Like, I didn't actually have to prepare a Father's Day message because we've been talking about the Father for several weeks now, and it's kind of like Father's season, right? But I I think that we all should look up as if that's the only direction that God is. That's what we think sometimes. And just tell God, Happy Father's Day. Can we do that real quick on the count of three? One, two, three. Happy Father's Day. So we got to remember, that's where it all comes from. Um, <clears throat> I wanna, I'm going to do a lot of reading of stuff to you today because I've got some things from my journal that I wanted to share. Um, I've been, I've been kind of talking to you guys about the power of, of vulnerability and stuff, and I think that it's only right to, if I'm going to teach you guys that, to also do it too, right? So, um, excuse me, I I have been pretty vulnerable with you guys quite a bit lately, Um, and I'm going to continue that, if you're cool with it. I'm not going to share with you the things that you're going to throw stones and tomatoes at, though, so I'm being selective here. Um, And on September 23rd, 2018, it was, I think, almost exactly one week after we launched Overflow Church officially. Um, it was right about a week after that official launch. I know that that was a real important time for the, for the history of Overflow and just God's dream for you guys and what's to come. Um, but he gave me a dream on this night, and, and I knew this was important. I think at that time, I thought it was important. Uh, I thought maybe he was telling me something about that moment, but now, three and a half years later, almost four years later, um, I actually see that this is actually was his heart to get this into the, the DNA. This is, this is the heart to really build a foundation from this. So as, you, as I read this to you, I hope that those of you who have been with us for very long would know that, uh, that we've really been trying to stay consistent with this, all right? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read it. I, I dreamed I was preaching a sermon at church to give them kingdom truths. God is always consistent with himself. He does not compartmentalize himself. Now, I'll just pause there because I, I know that growing up, I often read through the Bible, especially the Gospels. And, you know, if you have subtitles, that sucker gets broken up into compartmentalizations. And, like, there's this one thought that Jesus is saying. And then he says this other random thing. And it's like, all right, I don't see how that connected there. But, hey, all right, God's just boxing things but actually, no, he does never, he never contradicts himself, all right? He, he, there's lots of aspects to God, and you, you cannot encapsulate any of it, you know, in one snapshot. Like, it's multifaceted, but it all flows together. So anyway, in the dream, God's telling me this. God's always consistent with himself. He does not compartmentalize himself. He doesn't come one time, oh, I, was, I actually was dreaming this was what I was preaching. He doesn't say one time, you're not good enough for me, nor are you worthy of me. And then another time come and, and saying, I'm a good daddy and I love you. Come crawl up into my lap. All right? He, he doesn't just say like one, like one time he's this, and then another time he's like, oh, come here. But I think that we can experience him that way because of our unwaveriness, right? And, and our, our beliefs can shift based on what we're feeling. If we, if we allow our belief systems to come by experience and by feelings, then, and we think that's who God is, like he's the most, um, he's the most all over the place person a person could ever think he is, all right? So, so he, he is not um, bipolar, <laughs> all right? We might be sometimes. God, he's the same person all the time. Amen? Amen. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. All right? And he's a good daddy. He's a good daddy. 
He loves you more than you'll ever know. Even if you are in a, in a season or a moment where you feel like you have failed him and that you, you just feel like he's just super frustrated with you, guess what? Your feeling has nothing to do with who he actually is. He actually still fully loves you. Okay? Doesn't mean that he always likes everything we do. I'm not going to say that. Like we, we screw up and we need to fix it, but it never changes God's stance with you. Okay? That was my dream. He, he, I want to repeat that again. God's tell, he was telling me to preach this. God's always consistent with himself. He never compartmentalizes himself. He doesn't at one time say, you aren't good enough for me, nor are you worthy. And then another time, I'm a good daddy. You're a good kid. I love you. Come up and crawl on my lap. He doesn't, he's not like all over the map like that, right? So he doesn't go back and forth with us. He is always a good father. Everybody say that. He's always a good father. Amen. <clears throat> Almost a month later, after I had that dream, by the way, I, I just want to just re, restate this, that I felt like God gave me that dream to show what his heart is as we're trying to build a family, okay, that we're trying to build a family here where we understand the consistency of God's goodness to us, all right? So it was a little less than a month later, this was also in my journal, um, I'm going to read this to you, it was pretty cool. Last night, and this was, this was about three and a half years ago, so David would have been about four and a half, I think, maybe, somewhere around that. Last night, I was putting David down to bed. He was so happy because we just bought him a Spider-Man nightlight that swivels. So, like, you plug it in, and that thing swivels up and down. And it, like, you, you know the, bat, the Batman symbol that shines in the sky? It's kind of like that, except there's a picture of Spider-Man, right? And so, and you can swivel it to aim it on the ceiling or on the wall or the floor or wherever you want it. It was pretty awesome until it faded because it wasn't well made. But that's another story. <laughs> we were listening to soaking music. See, it had that Spider-Man thing in the wall. But now we're laying on his bed listening to soaking music as he was about to go to sleep. I suggested that we think about God and his angels before he goes to sleep. By the way, David has many, many times has been able to see in the spirit and he'll see angels and actually have conversations. Sometimes he sees Jesus, okay? It's pretty amazing. Like, I don't, I don't want to just treat it like that's a cute fantasy thing. Like, no, it's actually real, okay? So I suggested we think about God and his angels before he goes to sleep. He looked up and he pointed and he said, I see God. Selah. Like, that's awesome, right? I mean, that, that's like what we want. And he was having this just like a kid. He got so excited, then he jumped up in his bed and he said, I want to tell God all about my nightlight. <laughs> I said, how about you lay down and you tell him laying down. I'll tell him all about it, laying down. <laughs> but he kept getting up. But then I realized that if he's seeing God, I probably should let him do whatever's in his heart instead of restricting his encounter, Amen. So he ran over to the nightlight, and he started saying, do you like my nightlight? Talking to God. Do you like my nightlight? It has a picture of Spider-Man on the wall, and it swivels, and that glows red. Do you like it? He's like totally talking to God right there. Very spiritual and holy and religious <laughs> moment. It was awesome. It was just like if he were talking to Jessica or me, his mom and dad, grandparents, the way he was interacting with God, just like mommy or daddy. Then he came back over to the bed. He jumped into a spot and he laid down. I asked him what God said. He said he, said he likes it a lot. He especially likes the swivel part. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Like we're, we're just waiting for some profound thing and like God's actually just encountering him at a child's fun level, right? I was realizing in the moment how personable God is. He loves to enjoy things with us. That he talks to us just like a daddy to his child. We get so focused on the serious stuff and God wants to enjoy even the little things with us because we enjoy them too. 
Now, that's, that's what a dad does. Amen? God really has opinions. He really has feelings. And there are certain things that he especially likes. That's pretty cool. Like, he's not just this, this Christian version of a Hindu god. Okay? No, he's actually a real daddy who loves you. And he loves being with you, right? And the, uh, let me continue. I think sometimes, just like a daddy... He might like certain things because he knows that we like them too. I want you guys just to put yourself in that picture. Okay? A a good daddy loving to be with his kid. And like, could he really care too much about a Spider-Man swivel? Well, maybe not if it was me he was encountering. But to David, who loved that thing and was stoked about it, it was everything to God in that moment. And, and could he have cared at all about a swivel? Well, when he saw that David thought that was awesome, the, a good daddy got right there with David, right where he's at, and it was awesome to him too. He loved the encounter that he was having with David. All right? We think we love the encounters we're having with God. Guess what? Even more, He loves the encounter with you. Isn't that awesome? A couple weeks ago, I was going through my journals, and I, and I read that one again. And while I was reading it, I felt, I felt the tangible love of the Father come on me, and I felt Him just cover me and surround me and just embrace me. I just felt the swarm of his warm love engulf me. And he said, I love to be with you. Come on. And I, I'm, not, I'm not special in that way. Like, this is who he is to you. He's your good and loving father. Amen? So God is a good father. He's, a good fa- He's not just a good father because he has all the rights and wrongs that he wants us to obey. Okay? Sure, there are some of those. But he actually enjoys the relationship. He enjoys the play. He enjoys the journey. He enjoys the fellowship and the company and the fun and the games. All right? He's not, he's not the disappointed, distant, disconnected, preoccupied, agenda-driven God that we might think he is. Okay? He's not always just trying to accomplish something through you. That's when you are using somebody. Okay? Yeah, he's going to accomplish things through you, but because it's an intimate, relational adventure, not because he's just trying to get you to do something for him. Amen? Your father loves you. He likes you. He desires you. He believes in you. He wants to be with you. He loves what makes you, you. Because he designed you and doesn't want you to be something else other than you. Come on. He enjoys what makes you come alive. Come on. (laughs) When it gets quiet for too long, it makes me need to do something to make it not so quiet. So we're going to do something. I'm going to have you guys repeat these things after me and declare it over yourself. Now, you don't have to if you don't want to. Because we're a free and responsible culture. However, I don't think you want to miss out. All right, I want you to say this. My father loves me. My father likes me. He desires me. He wants to be with me. He loves what makes me me. He designed me. He doesn't want anything else for me. He enjoys what makes me come alive. And it's not just talking about the religious stuff, guys. Like, like, do you like country music? Please don't answer that. <laughs> it's 
between you and him. But if you do, he loves that thing in you that makes you come alive. All right? Do, do you like basketball? Does, like, do you really like it? I don't mean like you like it because that's the cool thing to like. Do you like it? Because if you do, he loves that, that thing in you that comes alive with it. If you like sewing or knitting, bless you. But he loves it when you're coming alive. Amen? All, I'm just trying to say like he, he wired you to be you. And, and it's because he loves to see that thing come alive in you. Like it doesn't have to all be the religious stuff. He just, he wants to be involved in the whole thing. He wants to, uh, he wants to be uh, geeked out on a, on a Spider-Man swivel light with you. All right? It's pretty awesome. Uh, in, the, in the recent year, oh, sorry, recent weeks, might have felt like years, I almost said that. Might have felt like years to you, but for me, it's been the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I've been talking to you guys about, uh, about a lot of my journey. Um, it, it turned out to be way too much to unpack in one message. So, but a few weeks ago, I started this conversation with you about uh, the summer of 2015. I just wrapped up my first year as a revival group pastor at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And it was amazing to have that experience, but there's a lot of terrible experiences out along the way. And it really related to my self-confidence and just my feelings of failure you know, versus success and stuff. And so after the school year's over, I, I went to the doctor to get a physical exam, just an annual uh, checkup, and, and uh, the doctor diagnosed me with moderate depression, and I couldn't believe it. You guys have heard me say this, so I won't linger on this, but I couldn't believe that, how, how can I, who am full of the Holy Spirit, have depression? Because it, it's not like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, depression, kindness, no, it doesn't fit with the, with the fruits, right? And so it really, it really weighed on me, and, and made, it, I didn't, it didn't work well for me, I'll just say that. And uh, I, I got depressed over the diagnosis. So, but the Lord showed me that, that now that I know the problem, I can do something about it, because I'm a firm believer that God wants us to be solutions-focused, not problems-focused. But we need to understand what the problems are, not so that we just accept the problem and just live with it. It's so we can identify the problem and then, get by the grace of God, conquer the problem. Amen? Because God has given us the, the power in Him to be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Amen? So we, but you've got to know what you're conquering, right? So it was awesome, actually. I had to work through getting depressed over my diagnosis. But then, I, then it shifted into hope. And I realized that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue a, a fatherly figure at the church um, who I, I thought probably could minister to my heart in this because I, I didn't want to just do like normal self-help kind of stuff. I wanted God to come in and heal what was broken in there because it's not right to be depressed. It's okay for me to acknowledge it. It's not right. And I don't mean that in a shaming way. I mean it in a God never, he never planned for me to have depression. And if he has a different plan, it's not right for it to stay that way. I can shift into what his plan is, which is complete freedom, wholeness, peace, and security. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So anyway, I, I've been sharing with you guys. If you didn't hear them, I'd love for you to go back and listen to the podcasts on them um, just to hear the journey because there's a lot of kingdom truth in it that can bring healing to hearts. If you just, instead of looking at like my story, like, Find what God can do and wants to do through it. There's truth in it for everybody. Amen? So he, but that summer, the Lord was revealing to me that uh, my depression actually was just simply a byproduct of a disconnection with the Father part of the Trinity. I always had a great relationship with Jesus and Holy Spirit, but the Father part of it, what, there was something hugely lacking there. And so that, that disconnection is what was causing me uh, to be deficient of things that I needed to help me be grounded and secure and confident 
having self-peace and, and, and just breaking all the stuff that, uh, that makes us waver. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but the Lord was revealing to me through that. Again, this is in my previous sermons. Uh, got real vulnerable with you guys. That, that a lot of my father lens, my belief about who the father is, actually came through um, perceived experiences I had with my dad that actually didn't display him well. Um, and, and caused me to pick up ideas about this, what it looks like to be a son and to have a dad. Now, I, I got some friends in here who've known me and my dad for a long time. Camerlees, can you guys wave everybody real quick? I love these guys. Known them for a long time. They're, they're from my old church. They used to be on my youth leader team. Please don't ask them any stories about what happened because you might learn something that might make you want to fire me So, from back then. But, uh, but so they, they know my family, and my dad has always been an amazing man of God. Uh, we, uh, the point is, I, I explain this, but um, nobody's going to nail it right all, all the time, right? So we're all going to have our places that we're not displaying God's well. And unfortunately, when we have those experiences where it doesn't demonstrate it well, it actually can cause a damage to our worldview and, and give us false perspectives, okay? So I picked up false perspectives of who, who the Father is, and it caused me to miss out on some serious encounter and love from the Father. So that summer, God was, was really doing some deep healing in me, revealing lies to me that I've believed my whole life, revealing to me who I really am, and helping me to break off these, self, these, these uh, false perspectives and bringing me into absolute, radical, unconditional love from the Father who I thought didn't have time for me. Okay? You, how many of you guys have heard my message on this? I just want to make sure that I don't have to re-preach it. Thank you. I, thanks for saving us all the time on that one. If you didn't hear it, love for you to hear it. It's good stuff. All right? Through that summer, as the Lord's revealing to me my stuff, I started also realizing that now I can understand where my dad was coming from in some ways that, uh, that, he, that I always saw was broken in him, and now I'm seeing I, I'm actually broken too. So I start, the Lord started giving me insights into some of his brokenness, and I knew that the ways that God was healing me, he could heal my dad with it too. And I, I so wanted to see that happen. And so that next fall, it was in November, I actually wrote a very long letter to my dad explaining all the things that God uh, did in my life and, and the revelations and the encounters he gave me and wanting to also show him, Dad, I love you and I, I really want you to have this experience too because it'll change your life if that happens. But it's the, lever, it's the, it's the letter that I never sent. All right. No, it, it, I, I shouldn't have sent it because I got I got raw in ways in this letter that I don't think he could have handled. But I needed to do it to process it for me. It was, it was really is a journey with me and God helping me do this. But the cool thing is that uh, a few months before my dad passed away in, in 2018, I actually got to have a conversation with him and all the things that I was heavily concerned about, dad actually started to open up to me and tell me the Lord's shown him this thing. And he, and he got, he was able to release long time shames and burdens that he had. That's awesome. But back in 2015, uh, in this letter, I want to read you guys little pieces of it because it's not going to shame him. It's just stuff that um, the, the Lord was showing me in this time. I want you guys to capture this stuff, right? I wrote this to my dad. I never sent it to him. But just know, like, if any of this stuff um, feels real to you, let it land. All right? Don't think about this as my dad. What if there's something that your heart needs, okay? <clears throat> That's the reason why I'm doing vulnerability. All right. This is back in November 2015. You're welcome. I realized that part of my depression came from not loving who I am in every way and accepting that I am good with who I am by just simply being myself. 
What I'm reading to you right now, I think I read last week. I wanted you to hear it again. I've wasted too many of my days and years subconsciously wanting to be like someone else who inspires me, thus not being happy with me. Not saying I've hated myself, but it's just been a subconscious portion of my self-view. That problem was a, was a result of a disconnection with the Father. The Father loves me just like I am because he created me this way. He wants me to embrace who I am and set myself free. I want to say that again. To set, he wanted me to set me free. Okay? Now that might, like, where would you read that in the Bible? Oh, well, let's see. If I'm not experiencing freedom... The Bible says that he who the Son set free is free indeed. So if I'm not experiencing freedom, it's not because I need him to do it. I need to free myself. I need to allow myself to enter into what Jesus has already done. Amen? So God wanted me to set myself free to be me. I, I had these ideas of who I thought I wanted to be, and I wasn't functioning from that. And so I was actually my own hostage. Okay, He doesn't want me to be like someone else. He made you to be who you are, and he loves who you are too. Come on. Pretty good stuff. And, and someone may want to ask, like, okay, he loves me. I, okay, what about... What about the parts of me that, that I'm struggling with weaknesses with? What about that? Does, does he love me even if I'm carrying a lot of weaknesses? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Because I want to answer it. It's a, good, it's a great question. Thank you. I want to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and there's two sections to this I'm going to hit real quick. Chapter 11, Paul is talking about all the sufferings he goes through. And if you read the whole story of Paul, you, you, you learn that before he met Jesus, he was persecuting people and, and killing and imprisoning Christians for the name of Jesus Christ. And then he got saved, and God told him, the way that you have persecuted, now you're going to get persecuted for my name's sake too. So he had a lot of persecution and trials and just hardships that came into his life. And he talks about that in chapter 11. But going into chapter 12, he says this, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. That's a good idea. You don't, yeah, don't boast. That's pride. Pride comes before the fall. I, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, but God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Okay? He was actually talking about himself, but he's trying to be, like, humble. Let me tell you this amazing thing about me, but I'm going to say it was somebody else, but we all know it was me. <laughs> right? It's kind of funny how he's talking you through that. But anyway, he got, he got caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven is that's the place where heaven is, <laughs> all right? It's where the throne of God is. It's where the angels are. It's where the saints are, are for eternity. And the, the paradise, all the stuff, right? The stuff we dream of going for eternity. That's where Paul went, and he said it was so real. I don't know if I was having an out-of-body experience or if I actually got teleported there. I'm not sure. <clears throat> and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Like what he experienced was so pure and superior that it, he would have actually tainted it to try to even talk about it in this place here. Isn't that crazy? Of such one I will not boast, yet of myself I will not boast. Or sorry, of such one I will boast, yet not of myself. Except in the infirmities. Now I want to say this. A lot of people read this and they think that what Paul is about to start talking about himself when it says infirmities, people will say that it's sickness and that he had some kind of a, like a lingering sickness that he couldn't shake. Okay, 
But that word infirmities is actually the same word that we're going to hit in a moment called weaknesses. And it doesn't, it's not just like sickness. It's, it's just about weaknesses and things that you suffer and, and like hardship, okay? Like things that, uh, that you're having a hard time being strong in. I'll just say that, all right? For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. All right, I'm going to go to the next part in a moment, but I just want you to know, like, the context of what I'm getting ready to read is coming from a man who literally, in full three-dimensional form, went to where the streets of gold are and, and probably saw Jesus and the Father on the throne, like, in physical form, like, the experience that we all long for, Paul was right there and saw it. All right? That's pretty wild. Like, those are the kind of experiences that would be reserved for the most pure, most holy, most pious, most righteous kind of people ever. And they're, they're like, they're almost like not even human because they just, we just can't, we can't relate to somebody who could qualify for that. Right? Wrong. God did not go find somebody who was perfect in every single way to give him this encounter. And we're going to find out as I read on. All right? Just understand the context of somebody who literally smelled the trees. All right? Probably talked to David and Abraham. Who knows? Like, but he was physically there experiencing the whole thing in, in three-dimensional, better-than-IMAX form. All right? That's the context I want to go to the next part in because somebody who God gave that radical of an experience with in the, in the glorious abiding home of God, you would think there's, there's no flaws in that man. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in my flesh. Hmm. Okay, that sounds pretty heaven-like. Or not? A messenger of Satan to buffet me or to beat me up. All right? He had a messenger of Satan. It was a thorn in the flesh. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Like he is like trying to get God to shake this thing off of him so that he doesn't have a struggle in his life anymore. Okay? Some people are going to teach you that the thorn in the flesh is a sin that he was not able to overcome. It's not that either. But I do want to point out the fact that it's something that was weighing him down. It's something he's carrying that he didn't want there, and he's trying to shake that thing off. And, and he asked God three times, take this away from me. And then he said to me, this is Jesus, it's in red, all right? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. What did you just say, Jesus? Your, your strength is made perfect in what? What, what is his strength made perfect in? In, in? in weakness? Wait. His strength is made perfect in your weakness? Whoa. How does that work? Well, that's called grace. All right? That's called grace. Grace is the free gift of God putting into you, imparting into you favor that you don't deserve. You get favor to stand before the Lord and his pleasure on you that you didn't deserve, but guess what? He gave it to you freely. But the grace includes this divine dunamis power impartation to function from a supernatural way that's beyond what you can do on your own strength. Glory! Some of you need to wake up! Guess what? You have weakness. Shame on you. Don't shame on you. I'm joking. That's orphans talk. All right? But you have weakness. 
And, and so do I, and I, that's, I've been sharing with you some of the weakness that I've treaded through. There's weakness. Why? Because you're a human still being transformed into his image. You're not all the way there yet. So there's something that's lacking in the full expression of what Christ has already put inside of you. And that's okay. It's okay for you to not be all the way there yet. All right? As a matter of fact, Jesus is actually saying, you want me to take that, that weakness, that hardship that you're experiencing, you want me to remove it from you? Sorry, not going to do it. Why? Is it because he wants you to suffer? Nope. Is it because he wants you to be humbled and, and kind of be weighted down like this all the time with this yoke on your shoulder? This will keep you humble. I, I, I love you, boy. You're looking good leaning like that thing right there. No, God doesn't want to put yokes on us to keep us humble. But, and the re, but the reason he didn't take it away from it, it's not because he's trying to be cruel. It's not because he's trying to teach him a lesson. It's because he said, I, instead of me taking your problem from you, how about, we, how about I up you one? Instead of me taking away your thing so that you just get to bypass an issue and, and don't have any hardship with it, how about instead we just acknowledge that you got weakness. Let's start there. Okay, let's start there being okay, being, being transparent. I'm going to be real with this. I have a weakness, Lord. I don't want it. Okay, son, I'm not going to take it from you. I'm going to do something better. I'm going to put my divine power inside of you to give you everything you need to rise up above that thing and crush it. Do you want me just to take it away and give you an easy route around it? Or would you rather be a, a warrior that crushes this thing and that anything that comes against you has no ability to stand against you anymore because you know who you are in Christ? <clears throat> Our Christian culture has taught us to be afraid of weakness. It's taught us to, to be ashamed of it. It's taught us to, to hide from it, to, to not acknowledge it for myself and definitely don't acknowledge it for other people. And God's saying, if you want victory and you want to walk in everything I have for you, you need to own this thing. Not, I don't mean own it like accept it as part of who you are and then live with it. I mean acknowledge it as something that shouldn't be there and then let God come in and give you everything you need to break that thing and crush it, rise above it, and then move on free from that thing forever. Hallelujah. <clears throat> And Paul continues, therefore, most gladly, I will boast rather of my infirmities, put the word weakness on there, not sickness, that the power of Christ, that's the dunamis, miracle-working power of God, all right, that the, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Again, it's weaknesses, not sicknesses. In reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean when I'm weak, I embrace my weakness and accept it as who I am, and then I just live with it And God's grace. It's like He loves me so much that he, he's, good, he's okay with me having this problem in my life. No, actually, he's not okay with it, but not in a shame on you way. It's more in a, I died to, to set you free from that thing, and I don't want you to suffer anymore with it. And I've given you everything you need, not just to accept it as part of your life, but to actually rise up and crush that thing. It's the grace. I will empower you with my dunamis power to give you grace to crush this thing. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> Come on. So great. He, he, inst here's Paul who actually physically went to heaven, right? And then he's, but he's got this thorn, this thing, and it's the persecutions. It's all the stuff that tries to pull him down and distract him. And it's just the stuff. And, and he's like, God, get this thing out of my life. Take it away from me. He's like, no, I want actually to make you a champion of this thing. Not a, not a runner from problems, but a facer of problems and conqueror of problems. <laughs> so... <clears throat> 
God, instead of judgment for your weaknesses, God extends grace to you. Whoa, phenomenal concept. That's a father. He's not trying to judge me because I have something not right with me. He wants to love that thing out of me. Come on. His strength, he gives his strength for my weakness. Guess what? If his strength is made perfect in my weakness, the only way I can actually access his strength is to actually acknowledge that I've got the weakness in the first place. And there's so many Christians who are trying to pretend like we don't have problems. And guess what? The longer that we hide behind that fig leaf that's, that you're lying to yourself and the world with, the longer you're actually delaying your breakthrough that can only come through your transparency. There are people who struggle with sins, and not just sins, it doesn't just have to be sins, struggling with depression, struggling with shame, struggling with, uh, with, with uh, broken, broken relationships, whatever, the things that, that bind a person up for years and decades, and they never, even if they can ignore it for long enough, it still is there because you never actually open yourself up to God in the way that He can bring that grace, crush that thing, give you the power to rise above it, conquer it, and then move on in great victory. Mm. So instead of taking away the thorn, God helped, he, he supernaturally empowered Paul to take dominion over the problem. I want you to hear this. To God... It is a greater honor to conquer something than to run from it. Come on. <clears throat> There's great honor from your father to conquer instead of hide or bypass. It's what a good father does. A good father will impart to you courage to face opposition. He'll give you courage to face your fears. He'll give you the courage to face your weaknesses. And to not look at yourself with disgust, but to actually love yourself despite the weakness. But not to just accept the weakness and say, this is my lot in life. I guess I'm just going to have to be good with it. No, no, no. The good father, he'll love you and receive you and accept you as you are, but he doesn't leave you that way. He actually wants to impart his dunamis power into you so that you can crush your enemy. And just like the Israelites that went into the promised land and uh, 10 of the 12 came back saying that we were like grasshoppers amongst the giants, well, guess what? God wants to put something in you that you'll see what you thought was a giant and He'll put Christ in you and make you rise up. And you'll become so powerful in Him that when you look at that thing, it actually becomes a grasshopper to you. And I'm talking about a crunchy grasshopper because you're crushing that thing. Amen? Amen? That's a good father. That's a good father right there. <clears throat> Back to my letter to my dad. We can never find the strength of God's grace until we acknowledge we are weak enough to need it. I'm going to say that again. We can never find the strength of God's grace until we acknowledge that we are weak enough to need it. Keys of the kingdom. One of the most important things I've learned over the last few years, this is my letter to dad, right, back into 2015, is that the best way to gain victories is to stop hiding our weaknesses from people and stop hiding from them, ourselves, but to get them out into the light to build trust and community. Like we actually need people that we can trust with the, the, with the stuff that we want to hide from the world. You actually need people in your life that you can open that stuff up with and get raw and let the ugly come out too. 
Not, not, and it, it needs to be people, though, who are going to love you unconditionally and know that's not actually who you are, but that's part of what Jesus died on the cross to give you the breakthrough from. Amen? Amen. So we need to learn how to be both sides of that thing. I want to be a person who you can know is safe to open yourself up to me. I'm going to speak. That's not who you are. i tell you who you are. You're a child of the Most High God, and you carry His nature. You have His Spirit. You have His character in you. That's your identity. And you're just functioning from a false identity when you think that's who you are. But it's not who you are. Let's come out of that. It's calling each other higher into the places that we know who God has them in his eyes. Amen? Amen. I want to be a safe person for other people to be open with. You need to be safe people for somebody to open up to you about. You need to be a person who's going to love unconditionally, who's going to be able to know that this is a child of God and that what they're functioning from is not who they are. If it's not the, if it doesn't emulate Christ, but we don't judge him and say, ah, you don't look like Jesus. No, no, I know who you are, and I, I can understand where that's coming from. We all have weaknesses, but God's growing us. And, but I'm going to love that, st- I'm going to help you love that stuff out of you. I, I want to help you love you. I'm going to demonstrate love to you despite that, but I want to help you to love you despite it. And you need to know that the Father loves you despite it. Let's be a community that's safe for each other. That rarely exists in the modern church. I'm not trying to have a typical church. Okay? I I want us to be the family of God. And the family of God has a love for each other that accepts each other. We see the gold in each other. We see the Christ in each other. And then we call it forth. I, I want people to I want people to, to get the courage to love themselves. To get the courage to be able to admit a weakness and to not think that that weakness defines who you are. Come on. I recently read to you guys, uh, I did a whole sermon on 1 John 1, 5 through 9. I'm not going to redo that sermon now. I know some people have shonies on your mind. But most of you have your charcoal grill on your mind. I know. It's Father's Day. All right? But but that that sermon, I, I unpacked 1 John 1. It talks about living in the light as he's in the light. And we have fellowship with one another. That's being coming into the transparency, not hiding, not keeping parts of my life in the dark, but I'm actually I'm, I'm having fellowship because I'm allowing myself to be fully exposed to one another in the presence of God. And it says that in that place is where the blood of Jesus comes in and it cleanses you of all your sins. And it removes, when you confess those sins, it actually removes all the unrighteousness of it. Come on! It's in the context of God's radical, unconditional love, in the light, transparency, even with other people. The scary part, right? So back to my letter to my dad. Vulnerability is the scariest yet most freeing practice we could ever do as Christians. It seems maybe you, remember I didn't send this to him, (laughs) I wanted to, (laughs) real bad. Seems maybe you have been robbing yourself of this glorious freedom from being afraid to face your weaknesses, letting someone else see them, and conquering them. Okay? But I have good news for you. Your weaknesses are not who you are. Let me say that to you right now. Your weaknesses are not who you are. And they are not what defines you. Come on. Christ in you is what defines you. 
That's what defines you. He wants, you to, he wants to fill you with His glory and shine through you. Whew. That's what I want too. But glory does not shine hidden under a bushel. Glory does not shine hidden inside a cave. In other words, expose yourself. Come on. Jesus can actually release the power of hope and peace and joy that will transform your life from the inside out. He can heal the pain, the brokenness deep within you if you will, if you will only allow him to expose them to you. If you will only make yourself naked in his sight, that's where the surgeon can do his work. First John talks about living in the light as he is in the light, letting people in, exposing your heart, even the things that you're ashamed of. The best way to break shame is to trust people with vulnerability and expose the things that bind you up. Own up to it and release it to the Lord, however that may need to happen, and let people into your process. Boom. Powerful stuff. The more I keep doing these things, these messages and getting into the spirit of it, the more I realize that I have even more to say. And you guys do not have time for the rest of this today because then I will let you out for dinner time. <laughs> so that might go to next week. We'll see what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> I think I want to read one last part to bring it to a good close. Are you guys good with that? All right. Just give me a few more minutes. I was going to I was going to unpack some uh, the passage of Hebrews 4:11 through 16, which I already recently talked about it. So we're good. Uh, let me back to my letter to my dad. This is actually where I really wanted to land the plane today. So if you can give me just a few more minutes, dads. All right, my letter to my dad. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit has revealed to me in these last few months. Here we're getting to a key that the root hidden beneath all my depression. This was huge to me to find this out, guys. The root, the, I, I thought the depression was the problem. And then I thought disconnection from the Father is a problem, which it was. But I didn't know that under the depression was actually an underlying issue that actually caused that depression to keep resurfacing. Guess what it was? Shame. There is shame. All right, I just found out I need to close. Heard that. I'm just, I'm messing with you, man. <clears throat> I found out it was shame. For some reason, I've partnered with shame and never even knew it. Shame is so subtle. Shame was not about any one particular thing. It has been more of a hidden, abiding lie that rears its ugly head so often, I never even recognized it for what it is. It is subtle, and it, te it tells me things like this. See if, see if any of this stuff resonates, all right? Here's, something that, here's some things that shame would tell me. You aren't good enough. You'll never measure up to those people. You know who those people are. Whoever your those people is, that's who it is. <laughs> if you are only like so-and-so, look what you just did. You just ruined your relationship with that person. You just ruined your reputation. Guys, this stuff hounded me. Okay? You're going to be in trouble for that. There isn't much hope for you. Your dream of a call, sorry, you dream of a calling bigger than your potential. 
That one has been a heavy one for me. You will always be mediocre and middle of the road. These were common things. I didn't know it. It's so it's subconscious level, right? But when the Lord started exposing this stuff to me, He started showing me that there's this voice that I didn't even know is going into my subconscious level, but it created underlying beliefs about me. Okay? Back to my letter to my dad. I've learned this is a demonic stronghold in my life. I've somehow been trained to believe lower about myself, and somehow I have allowed these subtle thoughts to suppress me, and I would submit myself without even knowing it. You do it too sometimes, or you have. Hopefully you're free from this, but I think everybody has at some level. Okay? It would, it would imprison me for periods of time, and I would feel like I would be fake and striving to try to actually live in the potential that I believe I have. I'm going to say that one again. I would feel like it would be fake and striving to try to actually live in the potential that I believe I have. Those lies are hard to recognize at times because they are spoken at a subconscious level. Sometimes, this is key too, sometimes I would think it was my own voice telling me these things. Sometimes I would think it was the still small voice of God. But guess what? God would never suppress me. He would never make me feel small and limited. The whispers of the devil who disguises his voice so well, sometimes it sounds like me or God. He's a liar. Amen? As I've been, I've been recognizing the lies of shame at the subconscious level, I've been able to war against it and declare truth over myself every time I see it for what it is. Shame is losing hold on my life, and I'm getting freer weekly. Come on. I started seeing that. The Holy Spirit started, it was always subtle, so I never, I never detected it until the Holy Spirit exposed it. It's like he lifted the earth off this thing that was buried in there that whole time. It was like, and I realized there's this dragon. There's a demonic dragon that, that went with me my entire life. And he would, he would, when I wasn't looking, he'd look up at me and he'd, he'd speak this thing out to me. Now the Holy Spirit showed me the dragon. Every time I'd feel those feelings, he'd be like, that's shame. Oh, I never realized that's what that was. I'd think something that'd make me feel less than, Holy Spirit, that's shame. It's not who you are. And I realized it. Every time that I realized it, I started declaring truth over myself and my father, and it was like I took a sword and whacked that thing on the neck. And I had to keep whacking it over and over, and I felt shame try to suppress me over and over. I was a pastor at Bethel, guys. Okay? Feeling this stuff. But, God, but the Lord's like, whack that thing. And I whacked it, and I whacked it over the next couple of months. I whacked that thing every time it come up until finally, I think, I did the final whack and broke its neck. <laughs> come on. And, and it doesn't mean that the lie doesn't still try to come sometimes, but I know it has no hold on my life, and I was free, and I could enter into who I am, and I could function from me now. And the, and the, and the freedom came, and the power of God came. I just saw so much more fruit, and things, great things happened around me. It was powerful, but that shame actually tries to keep you imprisoned to where you are now so that you can never reach all the great, beautiful things that God has already destined for you. Shame can rob you of your destiny, but your father hates the shame and he loves you. And he loves you for who you are. He loves who you are because he created you who you are. And he loves to be with you. He loves to enjoy you and the things that make you come alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. So every time that I would start feeling that thing come on me and I wanted to whack it with the sword, 
I also, this was key, I would also would stop everything I'm doing. If I had to leave the room and go somewhere private, I would do it until I could recenter myself and let the Father's love come on me. The Father's love every single time took the shame away. You know why? Because there is no shame from the Father ever towards you. Mm. So here we go to close. I want to declare a few things over you guys. The love of the Father for you, okay? It straightens out all crooked places. The love of the Father brings balance to every imbalanced place. The love of the Father anchors a wavering soul. Grounds you. Maybe I'll do a sermon called Grounded by the Father. (laughs) The love of the Father brings health to dysfunction. The love of the Father releases peace into chaos. The love of the Father releases love into fear and anxiety. The love of the Father releases security into insecurity. The love of the Father helps the selfish become selfless. It, it restores, it resets, it recenters, it recalibrates everything that is out of whack. That's the love of the Father for you. Hallelujah. Come on. So we want to crush shame. I'm going to have you guys, if you're able to stand, if you can't, just go into this place anyway. This is how we're going to close right now. Now, I do want to just give a quick reminder, fathers, make sure you grab your pens when you leave. Um, Not not your pens, your weapon tool. All right. I I want to just, first I just want to declare over you guys just the... The, the Lord wants to give you the dunamis power of Christ to crush all shame in the name of Jesus. So I just declare over everybody, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will give us all uh, uh, the ability by you, Lord, to detect shame in a second, in a nanosecond. That if there are dragons that follow us around that we didn't even know existed, but then you want to show us that there's this underlying thing all this time. Lord, that you'll expose the dragon. Not, not for fear, but because we know we can crush that thing in the name of Jesus. So I want you guys just to take this question to the Lord right now. What lies does the enemy try to shame you with in the voice of yourself or the Father or anybody else? What, what lies does the enemy want you to believe about yourself, to shame you with that you thought was true? Ask the Holy Spirit. He wants to show you things. You may get it now or it may be over the next week, but give him a moment on that. And then as the Lord... You guys do this now if, if it's coming to you, but if not, just take this with you. When the Lord starts revealing to you areas that you've been lied to of shame, then, then from there, you, you just diagnose the problem, right? You don't want to just accept the problem. That's the weakness. You want to find how to conquer that thing. So you've got to ask, Father, what do you say to me? What do you say to me? And give him time to love on you and to help you become grounded in his truth, his loving truth. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will pour the love of the Father on every person right now. I pray, Lord, this week that you will bring us into radical love encounters with the Father. Lord, that we will understand and learn at new levels. The, the full acceptance that you have for us. Lord, break all shame. 
and help us to find your dunamis power, your unconditional favor, your unconditional um, impartation of divine supernatural power to conquer, to crush enemies, to crush weaknesses, to make giants become crunchy grasshoppers in the name of Jesus. Can anybody give God a big shout of praise right now? Hallelujah.